Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, hockey fans, and welcome back to the best podcast in junior hockey. Staffed with two announcers who have voices for television and faces for radio, and somehow we've managed to end up on both. And the person leading the charge, leading the way in his flashy suits so that no one can even guess where he is. It's Dan K. Dan, welcome to the show. Lucas, you said leading the charge. I, I almost thought it was going to sound like I was in a war zone out here. There's a little bit of construction going on down here on Long Beach Island in New Jersey in my beach estate that I've been working out of <laughs> in quarantine all off season or all during the season as well. And this past week, Lucas, we finally got a chance to call some hockey. We got out the World's Fair, Pennsylvania. We saw some incredible premier hockey. And we're getting ready. I mean, we're, we're just a couple weeks away from, from more hockey coming, from trips into sunshiny areas. And we haven't had a chance to see any, any Florida hockey, Lucas. We haven't had a chance with, with, with COVID-19, with keeping things safe, with trying to work locally in the broadcasting game. Lucas, we haven't gotten to venture out to Florida. So we haven't seen a good friend of the Dan K Show, Dan K's favorite broadcaster man i love listening to this guy and the only person to be dan k for halloween ever nick rush it's rush hour baby what's going on nick hey thank you very much for having me on and it's crazy because it's been about one year since i was on your show to talk about the halloween costume so to be on the podcast is a true honor yeah, and Nick, I mean, you joined some other broadcasters we've had on. Dan Bradley, I know Matt Prier will be joining us, Alex Thomas. We, we're we so excited to kind of sit down, chat with you, and dive into all things Florida. And, and Nick, I mean, he's the, he's the voice of the Florida Eels, but at this point, he's turning into the voice of the Southeast. He has been all over the place down there calling games via audio, via video, doing some amazing work for his Florida Eels and the USPHL. Nick? We're going to let you sit there for a second. We're going to pay these bills. We give our we give our reviews, okay? And I've given my review of Nick Rush's broadcasting before. It's a 10 out of 3 or a 1,000 out of 300. You know, I'm bad with math, Lucas. I don't know how it works. But one hey, thing we close do enough. know. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I'll take it. But one thing we do know how to do is review beers and coffees for you hockey parents at home. Lucas Jones, what do you got on tap this week? Well, as is tradition, I always try to find something that is, you know, in in the area of the broadcaster that we're welcoming on. And I've already reviewed Cigar City and you know how good that brewery is. And so I thought I'd pivot and I thought I would pivot to something that you can find in Florida. You can find in New Jersey. You can find almost anywhere. It's Dogfish Head. And it's a classic I think is overlooked it's everyone's first IPA, and then for some reason, we never go back to it. It's the 60-minute IPA from Dogfish Head, and the reason that I'm going back to it is because it used to come in bottles, then it comes in cans, and now it comes in a 20-ounce Tallboy can, which I think makes it a much more approachable for the hockey parents at home. Now you can just pick one up from the store for about 3 bucks, three fifty, and give it a shot on your own, uh, and it's definitely worth it. I'll take an extra sip here. It's a classic. It's the standard bear. It is what an IPA, what all IPAs strive to be, what all IPAs fall short on. It is the perfect balance of malty and hoppy. 
it's in today's hop heavy world, it, it might be a pale ale for some, but for me, it stays as an IPA, little bit of piney, little dank, but really so smooth and so light. I think it's much better than the founders all day IPA. Those can get a little watery after a while. These are crushable 6%. Uh, I love this beer. It, it, I'm glad I was able to go back and try it again. Wow. Sounds good. What are you giving a score here? What's the score? I know you used my name to help, uh, help describe it as well. A little bit of hashtag dank. <laughs> so this, this is a dank beer. I feel like this is uh, right up your Alex. I think we've talked about the all day IPA before I give this, uh, I give this an eight, four. There's, there's just straight wow. up nothing wrong with this beer. It's absolutely perfect. You should definitely grab one. It's good for all seasons. Uh, and it's sold everywhere, which is the, uh, which is really the goal. All right, I moved to my coffee review here, Lucas, and, and I'm taking one for the team because I've had a busy, busy week, uh, you know, working a, working a week away, trying to get ready for Thanksgiving and taking some time off and getting that regrouping that all our players know so well this time in the hockey season. So I'm already four cups of hot coffee deep, all right? Dan Kay is uh, not going to mess around when he's busy. But I've jumped into the cold version now for my fifth cup of the day, which I would not recommend to those at home unless you run on high test caffeine like I do 24 seven. And I went for, you know, in the words of Anchorman, when they talk about Ron Burgundy reading the prompter, he'll read anything on the prompter. Anything. This thing is available anywhere. And it's Starbucks blonde roast cold brew available at a grocer near you. And Starbucks came up big for us on our trip to Wilkes-Barre Scranton, a lot of tea to keep the voice pumping with seven broadcasts over two days for Dan K. Lucas, I want the blonde roast cold brew here, and I'll tell you, it's better than what you get in the shop. Really? With the cold brew, they've taken away the acidity level that sometimes is there with the blonde roast when you get it hot or when you get it chilled and a nice coffee on site. There's always a little bit extra acidity. They've driven it out of here with this cold brew. I think the fact that it sits on ice a little bit longer in the store after being bottled really drives it home. This thing is the best. I've, I've reviewed a good amount of cold brews on here. This is the best at-home cold brew that is available on the market. I'm going to tell you that right now. 9-1, Lucas. Wow. 9-1. We're going to have to call 9-1-1 if I keep drinking any more coffee <laughs> after this guy. Well, what's funny is I always, I always try to get the blonde roast, whether it's the blonde espresso or the blonde roast coffee at Starbucks, which usually holds us up quite a bit longer. Uh, so excited to hear it's an iced coffee form now. Yeah, it's a nice coffee form available anywhere. I got it at Acme. You can get it at a Walmart. You can get it at a you get a shop right. Get a Target. You can get it anywhere store near you. Local grocers. Anybody carrying anything Starbucks is going to be carrying this cold brew. So that's the exciting news for you folks at home because this thing is next level. But we go to the free skate, and I got to talk about a guy who's next level, and I got to introduce him back in because it's time to hear his voice. I talk enough. I speak enough. And it's Nick Rush. It's the voice of the Florida Eels. It's the host and the man, the myth, the legend behind the Rush Hour, as he likes to call it on Instagram. It is Nick Rush. Nick, first of all, how's the season treating you so far? The season has actually been pretty smooth down here in Florida. I'm so thankful to be a part of the USPHL. This is a league which is taking such tremendous safety levels so that players can compete and be safe as they do it. So the Florida Eels have been around since August when it comes to training camp and starting the season, and we've been rolling right through ever since. 
Now, Nick, you got a partner in crime down there now, and you guys are doing some incredible work. Could you talk a little about the, the new member of the Florida Eels team that we saw late in the season last season driving into this season? Right. Yes, yes. That's Sarah Wood. She's taken on a few additional responsibilities over the past season, and whether it be interviewing or even photography, she really does it all. So to partner with her, do interviews with her, it's really been an honor. She brings a lot of talent and we're coming up with new ideas as well, like a Florida Eels podcast may even be in the future. So the wheels are always turning. Now we talk about it. We see you guys working hard down there. We know that, that she's been all over the place, photography, working with interviews on you, deriving content, driving marketing, you doing the same thing on the broadcasting side. It's a lot of youth running the the fun side of this Florida Eels organization. It's what I love. Even look at Coach Sanchez down there, another young coach, a guy who just recently took the skates off. Can you talk about the importance of that? First of all, Frank Scarpacci at the top seas. Can, can you talk about the importance of that youth movement in the Florida Eels organization and what having a lot of young people working for a junior hockey organization can do to make it a fun experience for the players down there with the Eels? It's been so fascinating because with the Eels, we have a few different generations getting involved when it comes to our games. But when you get the youth in there, you get all these new ideas. And the fact that we're around the same age as these hockey players, we get to click with them a little bit more. And we even get their input on some brand new things to try out and to get them featured through social media and the broadcasts. So the fact that we're able to come in and talk with all these different people similar to our age, it's really went smoothly. Now we we're gonna drive in we're gonna drive in more to the Florida Eels organization, your broadcasting and everything at the end of the free skate here when we get into the QA. But right now, gentlemen, I want to talk Thanksgiving. It is our Thanksgiving audio podcast episode. And we brought on yourself, Nick Rush, because we're thankful for broadcasters around the country, broadcasters around the USPHL around the game of hockey that provide a voice to what I, and I think all of us here agree is the greatest sport on the planet. And without broadcasters, you know, so many times we, we hear this, this thought process of, of the undervaluing of the broadcasting game and the talent of broadcasters and what content, video, audio bring to an organization, to a team and, and how it can take something that's great and make it stupendous, take it to the next level, take it over the top. So gentlemen, let's talk about Thanksgiving. We're thankful for a lot of things, but what I'm most thankful for right now is the food. So Lucas, I want to go to you first. What are you most looking forward to Thanksgiving dish this come around? Anything you're making? I know you're usually making stuff. What are you thinking? What are you thankful for food-wise? What do you eat? Well, so I am thankful uh, for the fact that I have been able to um, spend a lot of quarantine learning how to make new things, getting better at some stuff, uh, you know, hasn't been easy for a lot of folks. So I'm thankful that it was a little bit easier for me to weather that storm and, and coming out of it now. Uh, I'll be opening up Thanksgiving with a little uh, homemade lasagna, fresh homemade pasta, homemade sauce, little homemade cheese as well. Luke is getting into the homemade cheese game. Lactose intolerance, not going to stop me. 
So Italian. You're so Italian. <laughs> I, I've never had a lasagna. At a, I mean, I'm Polish and Irish. I, I, I've never had a, I've never had a, a lasagna at any family gathering. I, I just well, the, I can't the, be ricotta cheese. It's a, <laughs> it's a whole consistency consistency thing for me. I just can't get it done. Well, so you might like the northern Italian lasagna, which has no ricotta. Instead, it's a smooth bechamel that holds the Ooh. layers together. Uh, so I might have to to pop one down there for you uh, come Christmas time. Um, but then Thanksgiving after that, the lasagna is the appetizer. We get to the, the chicken, the stuffing, the mashed potatoes, all that good stuff a little bit later in the day. I like that, man. I like that. But Nick, I want to know, what are you thankful for this hockey season? And then what is the food you were looking to? I don't know if you're a, a make it yourself guy, if you're a guy who's sitting down at the table ready to eat it all and letting somebody else get the job done. Thankful for and the food you're looking most forward to. Right. So I'm thankful for the fact that we're able to put in work this season, get out to the rink, despite all that's gone on throughout this year. The fact that we're able to go out and we have these safety precautions as we play these games, that's really something that I don't take for granted this year. When it comes for Thanksgiving, I'm definitely one of those guys that sits down and goes to work at the table. But for me, I kind of go for a little bit of everything. We have some honey-baked ham on the table, mashed potatoes, gravy, and you can't go wrong with pumpkin pie for when you're done. Oh, yeah. Now, are you, got, are you separating those foods and eating them, or are you bringing them all together? You're, you're just kind of mashing them into one plate, and it's just all happening at once. That's a great question. I would say I kind of do it one by one. Okay, that's just, I divide and conquer as well. I'm a divide and conquer guy. Lucas, you the same? I feel like if you got lasagna on a table at Thanksgiving, you got all stuff that doesn't go together anyway. <laughs> like, I don't know well, what's happening out there. The, you guys the, do pie for appetizers as well? Like, what, what's happening? The, the lasagna, it hits around 1 o'clock, and then the rest of the food comes out around like 5. So there's definitely some separation between the meals. Um, okay. I'm, I'm a keep it separate guy as well. The only caveat is if there's like some corn or some cut green beans, I will put those into the mashed potatoes just for the, the ease of, uh, of spooning those up. Now I know there's some Minnesota in the, in the, in the family. Now is it, is there a hot dish happening this year? Are you guys going to have like a bunch of tater tots on, on top of uh, peas <laughs> and meat? Is that going to happen? The, the special request has been candied sweet potatoes with some marshmallows that's a good uh, which is a little too sweet for me but uh you know to each their own so for me this year i'm trying to get i've been trying to get back into my dan k's got to fit into his suits suits ladies and gentlemen i mean when you get stuck inside for long enough and i'm not wearing suits the best thing that keeps me in shape during the regular hockey season is the fact i got to get into a suit every saturday and sunday so i'm like oh man i can feel when i'm gaining that weight I was wearing sweatpants for like six months straight. I mean, what, what, is, what is this guy supposed to do here? I'm supposed to get out there and run. I didn't want to do that. So I've been trying to get a little bit more plant-based lately, trying to be like Tom Brady, trying to broadcast column 97, you know, past the great Vince Scully. But I am working on, Lucas, a couple new things, Nick, a couple new things. I got a little plant-based red-eye gravy that I'm working on with some mushrooms mixed in there, some maple bourbon coffee that I reviewed earlier this year from Vermont Brewing uh, Coffee Brewing. And I'm going to mix in some incredible flavors into this and try to get myself a nice little red-eye coffee gravy going on. Then I'm making a cranberry sauce that also mixes in local New Jersey blueberries. So it's going to be a blueberry slash cranberry sauce. So it's going to be 
this is going to be a meal. Like you guys talked about mixing food. I'm a guy who just likes to mash it all together. Like this has become a one plate. I'm like, it's like those things you could buy at KFC that are like 10,000 calories with the mashed potatoes and everything on top of it. I'm mashing it all together. So I'm all about the gravies and things on top. So I'm, I'm excited to try these things out this year. Could be a failure. Who knows? Well, you, you learn from failure, right? That's it. And it's, it sounds exciting. It sounds like something that, you know, if it works, then that becomes something you just keep working on. Yeah. And as a guy who anybody who listens to the show had basically a goose family during quarantine in New Jersey, I, I will not be making any roast goose this year. <laughs> probably no a good call. Goose. Yeah, probably a good call. But with that, we've had our fun in the free skater, right? It's Thanksgiving. We hope that your families, if you can't get together for safety precautions, reach out to one another, be a part of it, get on Zoom, see each other. And, and if you are together, please be safe be healthy and eat up. Remember what you're thankful for. What we're thankful for is that hockey's still going on, that the USPHL is doing such a good job at safety precautions that we get to cover hockey around this great country. We can't wait to cover more. and We can't wait to talk more. And with that, I got to turn it over to the smart guy on the show to start it off with Nick Rush on the Q&A. Lucas, start asking those questions. Thanks, Dan. And Nick, uh, again, we're, we're really happy you're able to join us on this because, uh, you know, we, like Dan said, we haven't got, been able to get down to Florida, the Southeast a little bit, and you're kind of our guy down there. And also we're going to be heading out to Florida. So hopefully we'll get to meet up soon. Uh, but before we get into any of that, give the folks at home a little history. How did you get into broadcasting? Uh, and then how did you work your way up to where you are now? I had the desire to start broadcasting when I was around nine years old. I watched a lot of NHL, but a little bit of everything, some MLB, NFL, but I was always most attracted to the National Hockey League. And I grew up listening to a lot of Mike Lane, who is the legendary radio voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So what I would do is oftentimes I would turn down the television volume and I would try calling the game myself. In 2014, I was around 14 years old. I was a freshman in high school, and I wanted to start broadcasting with my school's athletics program. We didn't have any type of broadcast program there for students. We didn't have any kind of radio coverage, TV coverage. So what I would do is I would just go out to the football games and basketball games and broadcast from there. I would record myself off of my phone, listen back to it, post it online. And I would use those tapes and apply to these local colleges. Like we have Florida Southwestern State College, Florida Gulf Coast University. And as we speak now, I occasionally broadcast with both of those schools. They're not going on right now, but in January, they're expected to start right back up. I wanted to broadcast hockey eventually down here in Fort Myers. There are very limited hockey opportunities. You have a lot of baseball down here, a lot of basketball. So I reached out to Eels general manager, Frank Scarpacci, and this was in 2017. And I just let him know who I was, what it is I do, and that I would be interested in joining the Eels if there was ever that opening. And at the time, there was no opening. But two months later, thankfully, an opportunity came around. So Frank tried me out, so to speak. He had me come in for a playoff game and call it on hockey TV, my first ever hockey broadcast. And thankfully, 
he liked what he heard. He saw some growth in me and he said, I'd like to have you around for next season. And since then we haven't looked back. That's that's amazing. The so the first game you did was a playoff hockey game at the request of uh, Frank Scarpacci. It was February 2017, and it was an elite game between the Florida Eels and the Tampa Bay Juniors. At the time, the elite division was the higher level, so it really couldn't get any faster than that. There was definitely a lot of pressure involved. You didn't know anybody. You're in such an unfamiliar environment, and of course. I'm sure it was shaky if you go back and listen to it, but Frank knew my background, of course, due to our previous conversations, and he saw that I could develop into something. That's awesome. And and your story of coming up in the broadcast world sounds remarkably close to what Dan and I, uh, how Dan and I got started as well, calling games together in, in high school, trying to uh, trying to call every sport, whether it needed broadcasting or not. Um, we called our cheerleading competition, despite having very little knowledge of cheerleading as a sport at the time. Um, the only sport we didn't get to call, unfortunately, was chess. I was a part of the chess team in high school. And I, I think the, the person who ran the program thought I was joking. Um, <laughs> we were not joking. We were going to be very respectful. I don't know what the issue was, but we were not allowed to do that. You were going to be really respectful. I was coming <laughs> in. I was going to go for guns blazing there with that broadcasting setup at every single move i was gonna i was gonna kind of have maybe like a megaphone or something to, <laughs> to make some noise i was going very like pepper and cotton from uh <laughs> well you know it's funny that it might work now with the queen's gambit being so popular on netflix i think we only missed the boat by about what 15 years yeah i don't know <laughs> what any of that means you're, you're talking outside of the world <laughs> Uh, well, Nick, so it's, I mean, it's amazing that it can, it just takes one opportunity, right? And you, you take advantage of that. And now you're, you're broadcasting for the Eels, but in a larger respect, you're broadcasting for some other teams. Um, and you're really entrenched in that Florida division as a whole. Uh, and one of the, the best stories, I think, to come out of the Florida division, and I, we do want to talk about the Eels as well. Um, one of the most interesting stories right now is this Tampa Bay Juniors team. Um, so talk a little bit about what you're seeing from the juniors. Um, and then I definitely want to ask you about the, the Florida Eels and what you've seen this season. So at the time of this podcast, the juniors are 14 and 0, and this is something that I don't think many people expected. We knew that Tampa Bay was going to be dominant as they usually are year by year, but to win 14 straight coming out of the regular season, just fantastic. The elite team has a lot of returning players from last year. They have some standout brand new players like Philip Kuba, who actually has his father, Philip Kuba Sr., on the coaching staff. So you're combining all these new players along with a couple of athletes who have been around for some time, and they're really mending together so well. They are resilient. They play up at Advent Health Center Ice which is the largest ice facility in all of the Southeast. I believe they have eight different sheets of ice or something along those lines. So when you combine such talented young men along with this premier ice facility, great things are bound to happen. And honestly, I'm excited to see where the juniors go from here. Us too. I mean, it's, it's one of those things we've had so much fun watching them. We got to cover their playoff run uh, two seasons ago, and it's exciting to see. 
And one of the other things that's exciting to watch every year is this Florida Eels team, because every single season, I think the one thing that Dan and I are always impressed by is how well they play as a team, but how talented all of the individual skaters are. Um, and just the talent that the Eels are able to attract from not only around the country, but obviously around the world with the global reach that Frank Scarpacci has. Um, so talk a little bit about the Florida Eels season. How's it been going so far? And, and what are some interesting things you've noticed about the team? There's definitely a bit of a change. Typically, the Florida Eels like to go worldwide in their recruiting efforts. This season, of course, due to COVID-19, we've seen more players from the United States than ever on the Florida Eels squad. However, we do have a couple of international guys. Demid Podrazov, a returning player out of Russia. You have another new player from Russia, Andre Ivanov, on the Premier squad. So we're still able to get that international flavor while getting some homegrown talent, whether it be out of Southwest Florida or out of the state of Florida as a whole. The success of the Florida Eels, I think, has really been led by the coaches who really are young guys. We mentioned a little bit earlier on in the show how easy it is to connect with these young players when you're at a younger age yourself. Alex Sanchez, the leader of the elite team, he was just a junior hockey player a couple of years back on this same Florida Eels team. So the fact that he can relate to these guys in that way it builds a bigger and better bond. And that really translates onto the ice, whether it be through the daily practices or on game day each weekend. I mean, the, the, the connection there, you know, is, is, is obvious. If you go and you watch the Florida Eels social stuff, if, if you're not following Nick or the Florida Eels, uh, you really should be because a lot of the content on all social media outlets is, is just representative of that dynamic and we're, extremely excited to see it in person um the last question i have for you before i throw it over to dan um is about sort of the florida and the southeast divisions as a whole um you know these divisions are year in and year out sort of the powerhouses of the league but so far this season we unfortunately haven't had a lot of opportunity to see these teams go out and play teams from the mid-atlantic from the north from the midwest and now we've got these mountain and Pacific divisions as well. Um, but how have the Florida and Southeast divisions looked when you've got the chance to, to see them play each other in some limited aspects? Do you think they're, they're ready to go play a lot of these powerhouses right now when they finally, uh, finally get the call? I believe so. You look at the Florida division and the Southeast division, and a big concern, of course, is that they've mainly had to play within their own region. As you mentioned, they haven't had the opportunity to go up against squads, whether it be from the Northeast or the Midwest. And it very well may stay regional for the remainder of the regular season from what we have heard thus far. But you look at the competition from within the divisions and you just see overall growth in the Florida division. I've already seen so many players go from elite to premier just like that. And in the Southeast Division, you have typical powerhouse teams like the Hampton Roads Whalers and the Richmond Generals. They're putting up victories like they usually do. So I'm especially excited for next month at the Florida Showcase, where for the first time of the 2020-2021 season, the Florida teams will go face-to-face -face with the Southeast opponents. Now, Nick, I want to jump in here and I'm going to, 
give you one more of these hockey questions. I'm going to put you on the spot here before we turn to the broadcasting side, which I'm interested to get into. You're obviously down there calling games. You've gotten a chance to see everybody in the Florida division so far. Who are your, I mean, in hockey, we always have, we always have our three stars at the end of a game, right? Who are the three names this year who you've seen who have just floored you? I always call the best players I see highlighter guys, right? When you're calling a game as a broadcaster, you almost don't have to look down at the sheet to see that they're there. You just, when you watch them skate, you go, oh, that's, that's so-and-so, right? And who's, who are those guys this year for you that people must see play hockey this year, whether from the Eels, the Juniors, the Blades, anybody down in that division? The Florida Eels have really picked up some incredible talent that come from some unique backgrounds. One of those guys is Jake Carlson on the elite team. He was recently brought on after playing a couple of games last year with the Florida Junior Blades. Ever since then, Carlson has played hockey recreationally. And the way he got onto the Eels was because, well, this is a story from what I've heard with another Florida Eels athlete. But he said Alex Sanchez, the head coach, and Jake Carlson played together recreationally. And Sanchez said, hey, would you like to play on the Florida Eels elite team? We have a spot open. And Jake said, yes, I will take that opportunity. But he's played three games so far. He's already gathered up four points, and his speed is just second to none. When he was on the Blades last year, he was on Premier. This season, he's starting the Eels on Elite, so that experience is starting to show and stand out among some of the younger players. But Jake Carlson, out of Lewisbury, Pennsylvania, he's a 2000 date of birth athlete. You have to watch out for him if you check out the Florida Eels elite team. And Carlson's so good, too. I mean, we, I remember seeing him with the Blades last year. He's a difference maker at the premier level. He, that's a, that's a game-changing move there. And I think it talks about how, how young Alex Sanchez is behind the bench there that he was playing with him just days before. That's an amazing story. Yes, and like you just said, he was playing at premier now he's with the elite team, but he's just explosive. And I think it's that matter of development. Alex Sanchez wants to start him out at that elite level before calling him up. But right now he is looking very promising. Now the next player comes on the Florida Eels premier side of things, and that's Demid Podrazov. And that's just one of those kids where you look at him and it's like, wow, what is he not doing in the NCDC? This is a guy who deserves that call-up to Tier 2 junior hockey. He plays with that sense of urgency, but he never appears to actually be in a rush. By the time he touches the puck, he knows exactly what he's going to do. He leads the Florida Eels Premier team in scoring. So I'm excited to see where he ends up within the next year or two. The ideology of the general manager, Frank Scarpacci, is to bring kids to the college hockey level. I believe that Demede is well on his way. Yeah, and you see Demede. I mean, Demede's got hands for days. He's got some of the best hands I've seen at any level of the USPHL. He's quick on the skates. He plays a little bit of that Euro style, and he's starting to really indoctrinate himself into that more physical play, right, of, of the – of the U S game and of the game here to get to the collegiate level where you got to bat a little more around those boards. You got to, you got to make those big plays and, and it's a little bit more of a team game at times. And as we've watched him grow as an athlete, as a player, as a teammate, 
it's been so fun to watch. And I agree with you. I mean, I, to me, Podrazov has next level written all over him, whether it's the collegiate game or tier two hockey. He is, he is a legit difference maker for anybody he joins up with. For my third and final player, this is another one from the Eels premier team and it's goaltender Alex Carone. For the Eels, they have such a great goaltending core. Of course, the team has a lot of love for Liam O'Gwen, who came out of the state of New Jersey, and he's really stood on his head in his six games played. But Carone, he's played nine games so far this season, and he has a microscopic 178 goals against average. This past weekend, he started in both games for the Eels, gave up two goals combined, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. So the fact that he's been able to come out in his second year with the Eels and just be like a brick wall in between the pipes, he's going places. I love that, man. And, and when you have a netminder who's got that sub two goals against average, you think about that, it takes – the other team's got to allow one to win, right, on average, that means. That, that's just – and Lucas, check that math. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yeah, thank you. That, but yeah, I mean, you look at that net there, and this Florida Eels elite team, you got to say, if it wasn't for the fact that the Charleston Colonials and Tampa Bay Juniors, Tampa Bay Juniors have been just unstoppable, and the Charleston Colonials have been tough. I mean, this Eels team could easily be in any division a number one seed, a number one team right now. It's the depth in this Florida division, the way that this Florida division has grown over the past few years here has been so fun to watch. And a lot of it, folks, centers around the work being done by the Brett Strokes and Garrett Strokes, the Frank Scarpaches and Frankie Scarpaches and Alex Sanchez. You look at you look at the, the King family taking over down there at the Blades, and you see this incredible just a job by, done by these teams to not only cultivate talent from Florida and have local hockey talent coming from small towns in Florida, something that a decade ago people would have called you crazy if you said that was going to be something that an entire division of junior hockey teams could do and compete at a nationwide level. But they're also bringing in – look at the Tampa Bay Juniors. they got a pipeline to Minnesota hockey. They're bringing in top-level Minnesota hockey talent. You look at the Florida Eels, and Nick, you talked about it, the international talent that comes in through Coach Scarpacci and GM Scarpacci. It's, it's amazing work being done in Florida. And it's great to have a talented, young, up-and-coming broadcaster there to cover it all, to talk through it all, to bring light to the game and make the game not just good on the ice, but digestible for the parents, the players, the fans, and even more important, the scouts and college coaches watching from home during this COVID-19 pandemic on hockey TV. And Nick, we move to the broadcasting side now, because this is where I get my broadcasting nerd hat on and I get excited to talk with fellow members of the trade, right? And so many times in broadcasting, you know, we talk about how lucky we are to do it, how how happy we are to be doing this, how, you know, it, it, we're stealing money to get to do this for a living. But there are trials and tribulations in this industry, folks, and we are battling every day. It, it, it's no different than acting, right, or being in the, in the music profession where it's a world of no's where you're always cultivating those yeses and trying to find them and trying to farm them. Nick, can you talk a little bit about 
your development, you know, what I want to hear from you, you know, at times, are there been moments in your development where you had kind of struggles to deal with or mountains to climb or maybe fans reaching out to you? I remember fans reaching out to me on social media and chirping me at certain times throughout my growing pains of, of, as a broadcaster. What were some of your down moments here? Do you, have, do you have one that sticks out that kind of drives you today to be better each and every day? That's a good one because I think that there are a lot of trials and tribulations that you go through. It seems like I listen back every game and there's always that one thing I can improve on, but there are a lot of those humbling moments. There are those times where you make mistakes, you say something that's not right. And as you mentioned, you will hear from it from players and parents alike. I would say there was a time last season where I stuck on to these certain crutch phrases, just little phrases I use a little bit too much. And as I listened back this past summer, it almost pained me to listen to it. And it created a lot of this anxiety because I was thinking, man, are we going to have this season to improve? It, it was a very, very valid concern. So that's why I emphasized earlier on in the show, it is a blessing to be in that booth in the fall of 2020. And when I listened back to those clips, it taught me, be more conscious, be more aware of what you're saying. I used to just kind of black out, so to speak. I would be so engulfed in the game. And sometimes it would be difficult to just truly pay attention to your word variation. But over the past two months, I feel like I've gone better and better at that every single game. And right now I'm feeling just fantastic about where I'm at. And to this day, there are still those moments where I listen back and I say, I need to improve on that. I have to be better. But I feel like I've gotten miles ahead from where I was last February. Folks don't know at home, like, you think about hearing our own voices. How many times do we talk about, like, we don't want to hear our own voice on the phone or in a recording, or we, we get nervous about speaking in front of a classroom when we're in school, or we get nervous about speaking at work in a, in a conference call or a conference meeting. And as a broadcaster, you got to look at that and you got to break that down every day. And you are not just broadcasting to yourself. You're broadcasting to the masses. You're broadcasting to the public. You're broadcasting to the players. And, it is a game. It is a highly criticized position, and it's something that you have to be self-critical. And, and Nick, trust me, I, folks, is my crutch phrase of the century. Lucas can second that. <laughs> I, I love the word "folks" so much. You could make a a fun game using how many times Dan K says "folks" throughout a game broadcast. So those crutch phrases are they're they're something that we dig through, something that we battle through. I stole from Jim Hankel, coach of the Connecticut Junior Rangers. He looks up a new word each day just to learn, just to, just to try to better himself as a human being. And he would send me some of those words sometimes if they're inspirational or fun. And I started to realize, hey, I could better my broadcasting through this. So I look up a word that I think can be used and utilized in my broadcasting life and, and on the air. And that's something that I've, I've championed now. 365 days a year, I'm, I'm learning 365 words a year to try to be a little bit more Doc Emmerich and a little less John Madden. That's always the goal, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I know my 
my word that I realized I was leaning on last season was phenomenal. I would go back and I would look and listen to these broadcasts. And especially because I'm editing a lot of the Dan Casio video and audio content, you just hear this word. And Nick, I, I feel like it, it, I can, I can definitely sympathize with what you're saying because every time you hear it, it's like a little, like a little knife in the gut, just like just hearing that word. And you know, that word is there. And every time you hear it, you're just like, come on, get it together, find a new word. <laughs> Absolutely. And as I mentioned, I mean, it is like a punch in the gut because it's almost like a player. Players go back, they watch their footage. And sometimes if they make a costly mistake, they really kick themselves because of it. A lot of people may not realize it, but for broadcasters, it's more of the same thing. We're always listening back to our old games. For me, I try to do that on a daily basis. And there's always something to improve on because there's no such thing as a perfect broadcast. I mean, you might as well not even try for perfection, but to rather focus on your style, getting better a little bit each day. General manager Frank Scarpacci talks about with his team, they get 1% better each time they hit the ice. And I've kind of adopted that style as well. Every time I'm in the booth, just get that much better, 1%. I love that. And that's the goal. And, and you look at it, I want to draw to kind of what you talked about, Nick. When, when you said you had your first broadcast, it was in the postseason. It's a playoff game. Huge game, first time jumping behind the behind the camera on the mic for the Florida Eels. And you said, you know, I wasn't I wasn't the best I could be. I had my flaws, but but Frank Scarpacci saw that there was a room for growth for me. And that's what I love about this level, not just on the ice, but behind the scenes, whether it's in marketing, whether it's in coaching, whether it's the, the general managers of some of these organizations, whether it's the broadcasters everybody is developing and growing their craft together at this level and the importance of kind of growing side by side with these florida eel skaters as we go through we see the relationships that you forge down there the fun you guys have on social media it's so much fun to watch and, and it makes the experience better for the player themselves can you kind of talk about maybe moments where do you have a moment where you're your growth as a broadcaster and the growth of one of your players, you got the broadcast, you kind of got to see them take that next step to the next level. And it, it drove you to keep going. Do you have any good moments where you saw a guy take that next big leap and you went, man, I'm going to take that leap to next. Hmm. So I would say about two years ago, we had this brand new player. He's actually returning to the Eels next month he goes by the name of gavin hoover and he was just this very young player at the time he was stopping by because he was too young to play juniors but he was coming down to fort myers he wanted to check out the facility we have he wanted to meet some of the players and he was this very silent guy didn't talk a whole lot at all by the next season when he played you saw that growth within him he got faster by the game it seemed like and you also saw the social side of him come out he had that respect for opposing players and his teammates and that's something that I really capitalize off of as well because I saw how he changed over time for the better and I realized I, I need to do that as well there's no excuse for it 
this is something that anybody can do. It doesn't matter who you are, what your experience is. Time can change us for good. Yeah. And, and I, I love that. And, and you look at, I just, whenever I talk to you, Nick, I just think about as we, as we go through any industry, whether it's as a player, whether it's in, in the business world, whether we're a chef, whether we're broadcasters in hockey, there's always somebody that's traversing the same terrain we just climbed over, we just fought through, we just battled through. And that I think back to getting my first hockey gig. I had broadcast, like Lucas said, I had broadcasted everything. I had broadcasted every sport under the sun at every level of the game. And I got an interview with the Philadelphia Flyers to do hockey broadcasting because my last name looked like a hockey last name. At that point, I was a hockey fan, but I'd never called the game of hockey, not once. Not zero broadcasting experience in the game of hockey. I sent the reel, had everything but hockey on it, get the call. They asked me, how long have I played? I had no answer for them. I, had, I, was, I never played. Sorry, I, I played the game. For fun, I never played the game at a high level. They wanted to know how high up I was, how much I – and I knew the game. I understood the game. I loved the game. But I was never a high-level athlete. And these, these guys look at me and they go, you know what? We're going to give you a chance. We loved your reel. We enjoyed you. I went home that night. I had 24 hours to prepare for my first broadcast. They lost their broadcaster 48 hours before puck drop on their opening game. I spent about 18 hours re-watching – hockey footage and doing play-by-play standing in front of my tv in an absolute flop sweat wondering if i was going to get this done i i still remember that opening moment when that mic turned on when that camera turned on on the broadcast thinking to myself all right no more time to be scared you got to get this done and those moments they they shape your broadcasting career you battle through them we battle through these moments where we might get devalued as a broadcaster. We value, we battle through these moments where we might feel overmatched as a broadcaster. And it ties directly in with what the players we covered are dealing with at this junior hockey level. The moments where you're devalued as an athlete, the moments where you might feel that you're the only one going through the struggle you're going through currently, the times where you play a game at a, at a rink or a showcase or wherever in the country. And the scouts talk to 10 other guys in your roster and they don't see you. And you feel like, man, I, I put just as much out there as, as anybody else today. The, those moments are where this all ties together and where this growth is. Nick, it's why I feel like it's so important to talk to broadcasters like yourself, whether we're the Matt Priors of the world who are working in NASCAR, working professionally in this, and this is their gig full time down to, Folks like yourself who are building to make this the future and, and their, their full-time career, it's so exciting. Nick, I mean, what's, what's your goal? What is your career goal? We all have, obviously, that, that end point in mind. What is the, what's the exclamation point on your career sentence here when it comes to broadcasting? A lot of people look towards that ultimate goal. What I like to do is take more of a different approach where I look for that next step. And of course, you want to build up that ladder. What I would like to do is for my next position, whenever that may be, that's still on the table, but I would like to work my way into the minor professional levels of hockey, 
whether it be the ECHL, whether it be something like the Southern Professional Hockey League, and take up a position in broadcasting and communications. Because with professional level teams, more often than not, you will see broadcasters double up with a front office position. Sometimes it's communications, other times it may be public relations or even sales. So that's why it's so important to be diverse as a broadcaster. Don't just call games, but become familiar with the various social media outlets, write those press releases, even if it's just for practice. You never know when that could help you in the future. Do interviews, shoot video. Oftentimes, these are going to only benefit you when you talk with a professional team's front office. And that's so smart. I, I speak still at my, my alma mater for my undergrad, Albertus Magnus College. And when I talk to these young sports communication students, you hear so many times that it, they, you want to silo yourself. Oh, I'm just a writer. Oh, I'm just a broadcaster. Oh, I'm just a play-by-play guy or gal. Like, no, <laughs> not in this industry, not to work your way up. You got to hone every single part of the toolbox. You might be a painter, but to make it in this industry, you got to draw, you got to sing, you got to dance a little bit. They might not have to be perfect, but they have to be good enough to build that repertoire. And you talk about social media. You cannot apply for a broadcasting job right now that's not going to ask you to pop your social media handles on there and see what type of, of audience you've created for yourself, whether it be for the team you work for currently or, or your own personal accounts. They want to see what type of brand you're able to build for yourself because you're going to be helping them build a brand as a broadcaster. And Nick, it's, it's awesome to hear you understand that because so many times you, you talk to folks and you're like, ah, man, I just want to be this. I just want to be that. But we got to do it all. And those little moments, I always, I put my goals in envelopes for you broadcasters at home, for the folks listening along with us. And it, it reminds me a lot of what you said, Nick, the idea of the next step, right? I, I write envelopes that I open in three months, one year, five years, 10 years of where I want to be. And this is something I learned from a mentor of mine kind of going through my college years. And it's the idea of if I open that envelope in three months and I'm not who I want it to be or beyond, I got to recalibrate. I got to rethink. I got to restart. And I think that's something that's a task everyone should take on, especially in this broadcasting world, especially in this junior hockey world where results are so important. We got to remind ourselves. Who are we today? Who are we tomorrow? Who do we want to be the next day? And we got to get to it and knock it out of the park. Nick, you're knocking it out of the park. And I got two more questions left for you before we go to the academic corner and start wrapping this thing up. I could talk broadcasting all day. But I got to ask you, I asked a couple other broadcasters this, your Mount Rushmore of broadcasting talent, the guys and gals that you looked up to who are your top four? If you had to build a Mount Rushmore of the broadcasters that have built Nick Rush into who he is today and who he's growing to be, who are they? These are the type of questions that I live for. So I'm very glad you asked it. One broadcaster, just absolutely legendary. You hear from him about everybody or you hear everybody talk about him. It would be a crime not to put him on this Mount Rushmore. And of course, that's none other than Mike Doc Emmerich. He's been on your TV for decades, recently retired, but he has to celebrate what a legacy he has built 
in terms of hockey broadcasting. I believe there's not a single broadcaster here in the United States that has not been influenced by Mike Emmerich. Even some baseball broadcasters I've heard from have really been touched by the impact that Mike Emmerich has left in broadcasting. So I think he's the first one I have to talk about. As for the next one, Kenny Albert. He's one who's really stepped up across the National Hockey League, but I mention him because of his versatility. He's one of the only broadcasters in this nation to cover games through all four major sports, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, and NHL. The fact that he's been able to start with a dream and build into that across four national major leagues, it's just inspiring. As I mentioned earlier, Mike Lang, the radio voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, I have to put him up as the third face of my Mount Rushmore. And he's known for all of his unique calls after goals, all these interesting phrases he's made up. One of my favorites, let's go hunt moose on a Harley. It's just all of these random things that really don't have anything to do with the game itself, but it keeps you interested. It keeps you listening. And I thoroughly believe that's the point for doing it because people stay interested and they don't know what's going to come next. So Mike Lang, he's another guy who's been around for many, many years. And I have a lot of appreciation for him. And that fourth and final face for the broadcasting Mount Rushmore is Bob Cole. Bob has been on CBC. And that's, that's a really interesting one because, of course, in the United States, we don't have, really have CBC for the most part, let alone in Florida. When I grew up, though, I played a lot of NHL 2K7. This is back when we had the PlayStation 2. Bob Cole was that play-by-play broadcaster, and I would play this game for days on end. That turned into weeks on end. So that was another play-by-play voice that has really influenced me to who I am today. And that's awesome. And then I, I love, you know, when we ask this question, there's always that national flair mixed with those personalized connections we have with local broadcasting. And it's, it's why what you do is so important, Nick. It's why local broadcasters, they're what tie us to the game from a young age. I, I talk about it all the time. I still remember Harry Callis. I wasn't a Phillies fan. I was a Yankees fan, but I would turn on as many Phillies games as I could just to listen to Harry Callis deep drive the left center field out of here home run. And that, that drawl and that voice and his ability to tie himself in the Philadelphia culture. And you just felt like when you tuned in that Harry Callis was just sitting in your living room with you watching a game. And, and he was explaining to you what was going on and making it easier for you to digest that game. As a young kid, I learned so much about the game of baseball from Harry Callis. I learned so much about the game of hockey from Doc Emmerich. You, you learn so much about, you know, the sports that we, that we love by hearing our local broadcasters, Bob Papa on the radio for the New York giants and, and listening to him call games here locally. It's, there's just so much importance tied in with our local broadcast team. And we got to support our broadcasters out there, ladies and gentlemen. We got to make sure 
that broadcasters around the country receive that support. And let's remind everybody, this Thanksgiving season, the reason why we brought Nick Rush on here, the reason why we talk it all the time, let us know what broadcaster you're thankful for this Thanksgiving, whether it's your home broadcaster, a national broadcaster, anybody out there, let us know who you're thankful for, who's helped shape your love of the game. Hashtag, Lucas, what should be the hashtag? I don't know. I, I blanked on what the hashtag should be. I didn't think of it. <laughs> That's a good hashtag for this. Nick, um, you can weigh in too. Let's get I, our marketing chops together. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's put the brain trust together. I think maybe maybe the hashtag uh, broadcast heroes. Keep it simple. Yeah, I like that. Broadcast heroes. I like that. Look at that. Nick, that's why you get a smart person to work with you. So you <laughs> never have to do anything intelligent. You just have to ask questions. He thinks on the fly. I'm impressed right now. <laughs> that's that's it. That's all. That's all I'm here for is just just panic, settle down, figure it out, and just just put it in. That's all I have to do. He does the same thing to me on the golf course, folks. I've had some days where you have that blow up first hole of the day, and you're ready to just kind of you're like, oh man, this is going to be miserable. At least I'm outside. And you're starting to already tell yourself like good little quotes in your head of, hey, it's okay. I could be working. And then you see Lucas. He calms me. He calms me, you know, he's, he's the, the horizon during the storm on sea, you know what I mean? The stormy sea. So that get that that's Lucas. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. There's my first broadcast hero, hashtag broadcast heroes. I'll have to tweet that now. You'll see it on my Twitter account. Nick, final question for you. Before we jump into Lucas's educational corner, get to our parting words. I'm going to ask you a question. I, I ask coaches, organizations about their teams that they, work with on a daily basis. Obviously, we love the Florida Eels and everything that the Scarpacci family, yourself, Sarah Wood, Alex Sanchez, I love the work you guys do there. Everybody's doing such an incredible job for those players and ensuring they get to the next level. We know that Frank Scarpacci does college tours for these kids and, and they cook food on the road and it's a family environment, a family feeling. Can you tell us, Nick, why choose the Florida Eels organization? If I'm a parent, if I'm a player watching at home right now, why choose the Florida Eels on top of they already know they're getting new broadcasting games. Now, why choose that organization as my next place to play? This is such a unique organization because it's so tightly knit. It really does have that family feel because the Florida Eels were built by the Scarpaches. You have Frank and his wife, Claire, helping things in the front office. You have their son, Frankie, as one of the head coaches. And then they build on from there. You have Alex Sanchez, a player, and they've just built this place from the ground up. The colleges, that really is a huge part of the Florida Eels. There are some junior hockey programs where you play for them, and then once you're done, you're on your own. That's all up to you. But for the Florida Eels, if you want to play college hockey, they're going to help you play college hockey. I've talked with Frank before. And he said, I got three hours of sleep last night. I was talking with all these coaches uh, throughout the past day, just getting things set for our players to move on to that next level. They truly care about where you end up. It's not just about the now, but it's about the future. They want to make sure that the Florida Eels are not going to be the final place you go to, regardless of your skill level. Awesome. And I love those guys. And you want a, a little make Dan K feel old moment of the day. If you go back, 
one another reason what tied us in with the Florida Eels organization, Nick and everything for this Thanksgiving episode. If you want to dive into the old Dan K show videos here on youtube.com, you can go back in the Wayback machine and see Dan K interviewing Alex Sanchez at the time, the captain of the Florida Eels elite with Frank Scarpacci laughing off screen as I interviewed him about his Thanksgiving and made jokes and told him he looked like Andrew Luck at the time. Andrew Luck was still playing in the NFL at that time too. So in the Wayback Machine, I've seen that video pop up in past years on my time hop, and I feel about 900 years old knowing that Alex is now a successful coach in the USPHL elite. Uh, and I think the way he's the way he's working down there with these young players, the way that this whole organization is working with these young athletes, it's, it's incredible. You want to learn more about the Florida Eels, head to USPHL.com. You can reach out to the Florida Eels on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And what a job by this organization. What a job by Nick Rush. We're going to come back with his parting words in a moment to close this thing out. But first, we go to Lucas Jones, who reminds each week our parents and players and Dan K that hockey and the junior hockey world is not just about what happens on the ice. It's not just about your playing career, your time in the gym. It's about your time in the classroom as well and being a student and a successful academic lucas tell these people how to be smart well one of my best pieces of advice especially as we are now in sat act uh all these different standardized testing seasons we're right in the middle of it i say okay you've been spending all this time preparing you've done all the work you did everything right from the get-go we've talked on the show about how cramming scientifically doesn't work uh, cramming before an exam actually statistically makes you worse when dealing with the material. So we've talked about doing the preparations and getting everything done. And now it's the Friday before the test and it's five o'clock. Now conventional wisdom is to keep studying until about eight, nine, 10 o'clock. But I'm here to tell you that the best thing you could do for yourself is put down the books and go out for a walk, take a break, Take the stick and puck out to the driveway and work on some stuff. Go for a walk, go for a run, play some video games. That's the advice I give my students. Take a break before the test. And I think this week, that advice of taking a break, letting your mind relax, de-stressing, allowing your brain to grow and allowing those neural pathways of all the new knowledge to connect. Take a break this weekend. This year has been a lot for a lot of reasons to a lot of different people. And we've still managed to get a hockey season. So on top of everything else, you're also focusing on hockey. Take a couple of days, relax, eat some food, see what friends and family you can safely. But just take a couple of days, take a break, and give your body and your brain, most importantly, that rest that it needs. Awesome words again from Lucas Jones. And, you know, Lucas, I didn't even know cramming was an option. So when I had forgotten the study by about five o'clock on Friday before my test, I would just, you know, I was like, well, I can't do anything about it and just kind of go take the test blinded, you know, and that's something I don't suggest to anybody. No, but you know what? <laughs> Scientifically speaking, Dan, you're about halfway there because as long, so like the, the long-term memory is only created via sleep. So sleep is a, is a useful function besides just rest. It allows our brain to convert short-term knowledge to long-term knowledge and memories. So you, by just saying, well, it's already too late and going about your day, are actually doing better than the people who didn't prepare and then try to cram. 
And again, we are not suggesting that you do not. Study oh, absolutely at all. not! Please study. <laughs> Studying by far is the best way to do this. Hundred percent. But what this is alluding to is that you know uh, I'm not always hundred percent wrong. Sometimes I'm fifty percent wrong. <laughs> that's that's the Dan K method there, and the Dan K Dan K mentality. But let's go to a man who's hundred percent right all the time on the broadcast. It literally, I love listening to the play calls of Nick Rush. It makes the game down in Florida fun. It allows, I, I, I talk about it all the time, the importance of the local broadcast at this level. If I'm a scout watching at home, 99% of the time, I can't see the number on the guy playing the game. And if there's no audio and there's no volume and there's no one to tell me the story of what is occurring, I am not too sure what's going on until I look at the stat sheet. And you don't always know that folks at the time when looking over a nation full of hockey and then a world full of hockey, when you look into Canada and you look into the European game, they don't always have the time to sit down and dig through your stats when there's a hundred other games to watch tonight. They might just have a 10 minute period to look at your broadcast on hockey TV. Nick Rush does such a great job of telling the story and making Lucas and I feel like we are a part of that game down in Florida, even during COVID-19 where we can't get there. Nick, your parting words for today's Dan K show presents junior hockey for my parting words. I would just like to give some good kind words. First of all, stay focused on your path, whether you're a broadcaster or a player sports as a whole is a very competitive industry. And I can't tell you how many times I listened to another broadcaster and said, wow, this person is incredible. How do I catch up to them? You know what I mean? So while I would say, don't focus on what another person is doing. Encourage them, of course, because us broadcasters have to stick together and the players have to stick together. We're all a family in this industry. But when it comes to your improvement, don't worry about what this person or this person is doing. Stay true to yourself. Stay focused on your path. Take a look at your style. See how you can perfect that. And... I can't stress enough, support your fellow broadcasters. This isn't just for the parents supporting their broadcasters, but we all have to stick together. That's really the way it is. And finally, take time for yourself. It's just like Lucas was saying moments ago with the ACT and the SAT cramming. When you're exhausted, when you're tired, you're not going to get better work. You just need to keep that level head I remember there were times where I was running on a little sleep and I'd have a broadcast up ahead. I would take an energy drink, but that didn't help either because I would be all wiry. I'd be bouncing all around. That doesn't make for a better broadcast, at least in my experience. So the power of taking time for yourself, like I said, it gives you that level head and that's how you're really going to tackle your daily tasks to the best of your ability. Absolutely awesome words from Nick. And I always like to close out each broadcast of this show with, with parting words that tie into our guests. I, I chose the word thankful this week to go along with Thanksgiving again. And the idea of be thankful for every step on your journey, you know, because a lot of times we can, we can feel like we're getting buried when things are bad, right? We can feel like, man, this COVID-19 stopped me from playing games or our season stop and go, or I have to, I have to inconvenience myself to be able to step on the ice and play the game I love, or, you know, 
we we feel like we're getting buried by negative social media comments or or folks saying we're not as good as we think we are or if we're a player scouts not looking at us when we think we've done better than the other players on the ice or if we're a broadcaster just people not liking what we do or people maybe operating better than we do or getting chances and opportunities we feel like we deserved and we have to remember that sometimes when we're buried we've just been planted and we are a seed that if we give the correct amount of water, the correct amount of time to grow, that sunlight, we put ourselves in positions to succeed, we grow. And we grow from that buried sand, we grow from that soil, and we become what we are meant to be. Whether that's a player, a broadcaster, a coach, a GM, or just in your working life down the road, for those of you who want to get into a different industry, or those of you who the game won't be played as your primary source of income for the rest of your life. I remind you to be thankful for these moments where you feel buried, thankful for the moments that you have to battle and climb obstacles because without that, we don't get better. We don't get better. I, I don't get better if I don't, my first year doing hockey broadcasting, get absolutely chirped by dozens of hockey fans because I made a comment they didn't like about their team on a Philadelphia Flyers broadcast. I don't get better without that moment. I don't learn how to better verbalize and, and better speak and, and, and better portray my message if I don't slip up on my words and word something differently than what I wanted to get to the masses. We don't get better. We don't get better without mistakes. We don't get better without slipping up. We don't get better without folks telling us we're not good enough. And like Nick said, you, you look at somebody else and you say, wow, they're good. How do I get that good? The same goes for somebody who we look at and we don't think is as good as us. And we look and we go, they're not as good as us. Why do they have this opportunity? I'm better than that. Don't look into someone else's bowl and see if they have more than you. You should only ever look into that bowl to make sure they've got enough. And that's our goal. That's what we do in this competitive industry, in this competitive sport, in this competitive game, is we try to build ourselves, our portfolio, and go for our goals. Don't forget that a team is what gets us there it's what wins games and it's what wins in life so thankful for all of you that watch us so, so thankful for lucas who puts up with all my all my stuff all my wrongs all my all my you know the 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 dan k moniker and everything it does such a great job to make this show happen editing behind the scenes and traveling around the country with me or sometimes not traveling around the country with me when i forget him in new jersey and drive to another state without him Thankful for local broadcasters like Nick Rush, local broadcasters like Matt Preer, Alex Thomas, Dan Bradley, guys around the country who are putting this game first and really allowing these players to be seen by players across the country. Weston DeWitt and Brad Jones down in Hampton Roads, the, the work being done by these broadcasters. Do not forget your broadcaster this holiday season. Do not forget to thank your broadcaster for the work they do. And we thank all of you broadcasters around the country. Happy Thanksgiving, hockey fans. When Dan K's on the mic, it's always hockey night. We thank Elite Junior Profiles. That's www.elitejrprofiles.com. Take your recruiting profile to the next level with the best team in the recruiting game, Elite Junior Profiles. Get yourself seen by coaches around the country. Also, the USPHL, our proud sponsor our proud partner we work with them around the country usphl.com find out more about playing opportunities right there and 
the Dan K Show, www.dankshow.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at the underscore Dan K Show. Nick Rush, the voice of the Florida Eels. You will be hearing a lot of him. Big future ahead. Dan K, Lucas Jones. Keep listening.